Let's uh, stand, grab your hymnals, turn to 353. Love found a way. Amen. Wonderful love that rescued me, song deep in sin. Guilty and vile as I could be, no hope within. When every ray of light had fled, oh glorious day, raising my soul from out the dead, love found a way, love found a way to my soul. Love found a way that could make me whole. Love sent my Lord to a cross of shame. Love found a way, oh, praise his holy name. Love brought my Savior here to die on Calvary. For such a sinful wretch as I, how can it be? Love bridged the gulf twixt me and heaven, taught me to pray. I am redeemed, set free, forgive. Love found a way, love found a way to redeem my soul. Amen. Love found a way that could make me whole. Love sent my Lord to the cross of shame. Love found a way, oh, praise his holy name on that last Love opened wide the gates of light to heaven's domain. Where in eternal power and might, Jesus shall reign. Amen. Lifted me from depths of woe to endless day. There was no hope in earth below. Love found a way. Love found a way to redeem my soul. Love found a way that made me whole. Love sent to the cross of shame. Love found a way, oh, praise his holy name. Amen. And now let's turn to 349, just a couple pages back. If love has found a way in your life, you have a new name, the Bible says. Only the Lord knows. I once was a sinner, but I came, pardoned to receive from my Lord. This was freely given, and I found that he always kept his word. There's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine, oh yes, it's mine. And the white-robed angels sing the story, a sinner has come home. For there's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine, oh yes, it's mine. With my sins forgiven, I am bound for heaven, nevermore to roam. I was humbly kneeling at the cross, Fearing not what God's angry frown When the heavens opened And I saw That my name was written down Amen 
Well, there's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine, oh yes, it's mine. And the white-robed angels sing the story, a sinner has come home. For there's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine, oh yes, it's mine. With my sins forgiven, I am bound for heaven, nevermore to roam. In the book is written, saved by grace, oh, the joy that came to my soul. Now I am forgiven, and I know by the blood I am made whole. No other way, there's a new name written down in glory. And it's mine, oh yes, it's mine. And the white-robed angels sing the story, A sinner has come home, For there's a new name written down in glory, And it's mine, oh yes, it's mine. With my sins forgiven, I am bound for heaven, Nevermore to roam. Amen. And let's do one more before we pray. 247. 247. Fill me now. Hover o'er me, Holy Spirit, bathe my trembling heart and brow. one cleanse and comfort bless 
and save me, bathe, oh bathe my heart and brow. Thou art comforting and saving, thou art sweetly filling now. seated and let's take a few minutes and go over the praise list here okay let's see i think my pen got left on my desk would you mind grabbing it for me all right we had 73 this morning and i uh, want to thank everyone for the wonderful welcome back home and the microwave is greatly uh, appreciated Thank you very, very much. And uh, we traveled, uh, I did the odometer last night in the mileage record, 7,038 miles. And uh, so you say, what did we do other than drive? Well, we stopped here and visited a little while, stopped there and visited a while, and, uh, and uh, did a lot of driving in between. And just praise the Lord for all the work that was done here. Church was clean, everything was ready to go this morning, and now a lot of people had to do a lot of different things, and we praise the Lord for that. Any other praises to put on the list? Leah. Okay, we're glad to have you back. Amen, Maria's praising the Lord. She's back. Safe trip. All right, Brother Franz. Okay, prayed that there would be no reward service. A word ceremony at work, and there wasn't one, so praise the Lord for that. All right, who else? Any other praises to add to the list? Sharon. Amen. Sharon, praise the Lord for her birthday on Friday. Ted took her on a little trip and surprised her. Praise the Lord. Amen. All right. Any other praises? Brother Paul. Okay, I heard the church and fellowship. Okay. Amen. Okay. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for all the things that you have done. We thank you for the wonderful protecting hand of our Father, Lord, we're thankful that even though we cannot see what you are doing and where you are working, we can have the knowledge that you are and that you are keeping us and that you are preparing us for your will. We thank you that your will is always best. And Lord, we thank and praise you that we can enjoy that will and enjoy living and serving you. We thank you for your hand of protection over the family and over this church while we were gone and bringing us back together again. 
And Lord, we just thank you for the privilege it is to be your servants in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Ted. Amen. Let's do one more. Uh, 471. Stand and grab your hymnals. 471. E, the pearly gates will open. Love divine so great and wondrous, deep and mighty, pure, sublime, coming from the heart of Jesus, just the same through tests of time. He, the pearly gates, will open so that I may enter in. For he purchased my redemption and forgave me all my sin. Like a dove winded, as a wounded fawn was I. Brokenhearted, yet he healed me. He will heed the sinner's cry. Praise God. He, the pearly gates, will open so that I may enter in. For he purchased my redemption and forgave me all my sin. Love divine so great and wondrous, all my sins he then forgave. I will sing his praise forever, for his blood is power to save. He, the pearly gates, will open so that I may enter in. My redemption and forgave me all my sin. Last time, in life's even tide at twilight, at his door I'll knock and wait. By the precious love of Jesus, I shall enter heaven's gate. He gates will open so that I may enter in for he purchased my redemption and forgave me all my sin Amen and you may be seen Take your Bible, 2 Peter chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1, and we're just going to spend a little time grazing through the scriptures tonight, if we can. I want us to just start in verse 12 of 2 Peter chapter 1. It says, Wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them, and be established in the present truth. Now what Peter is simply saying is, 
He says, I'm not going to be negligent. I'm not going to neglect the fact that I need to remind you of some things. And uh, it says, though you know them. And uh, the way I am, I mean, there are many things in life that I must be reminded about. How about you? And this passage is one of those things that just every so often we need to go through it. We need to be reminded of these things. And this passage that the preceding verses centers around one thought and really one thought alone, and that is we need to obtain the knowledge of God. We need to obtain knowledge that belongs to God. Look at verse 2. It says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you. How? Through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. Now the context is verse 1. It says, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us, through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. The only way you are saved is as God gives you His righteousness. That's our salvation. It is the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And as we have that salvation given to us, then we need grace and peace. I'll tell you, how many of you could use a little more grace... A little more peace at home. Uh, I think all of us could. Amen? Uh, there were a couple of times in the car as we were driving and said, okay, fuss time. Everybody get it out. And, uh, and uh, the, the din of uh, noise, that was, it was just unbelievable, almost to the point of pain. I said, now you all feel better? Yes, we feel better. And so we just get moving on down the highway. Uh, the Bible says grace and peace is multiplied through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. I'll tell you, if we can only look at this world and understand what happens to us the way God sees it, it would change our opinion, wouldn't it? It would just, see, the knowledge doesn't belong to us. It belongs to God, and if we'll just get a little helping of it, then we can understand what's going on and what is happening, and, uh, and it will change us very much so. And that's what the Bible tells us here, is we get salvation, we share a like precious faith, we have the same salvation that the Apostle Peter has. That's through the righteousness of God. But if you want peace and you want grace in your life, you've got to understand things the way God understands it. The Bible tells us that if we can get this knowledge, we'll have what we need. Look at verse 3. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. How? Through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Now, Peter wrote this passage 
uh, let's see, do the math, 1860-some years ago. Uh, no, 1960-some years ago. We'll get it right. And yet, what did he say here? He said, all things that pertain unto life and unto godliness. Now, I've got a stack of mail in here left over from the time... I mean, it just fills the seat of a chair about this high. I've knocked the pile over a couple of times. And uh, you know what that thing is full of? It's full of new things. You know, your church will be helped with this program. You will have this. You can't get this done without this product. And You know, the Bible says all things. They pertain unto life and unto godliness. Now, if you have those two things, do you need anything else? Absolutely not. So where are most of those catalogs going to go? File 13. Boom. We'll just throw them away. The world is always trying to get our attention because if it can take our attention off this book, then we're in trouble. If we can keep our attention right here and understand that all things are already given unto us and the only place we're going to find those things is by the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. And of course, that's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. He's called us to glory. He wants our lives to glorify him. Now, summers are often difficult in New York City, amen? Boy, when we, I was shocked when it came back. It was actually cool. Uh, it was hot when we left, and it was hot driving across the plains. And then we got up in the mountains. Oh, was it wonderful. Wake up in the morning, it's like 52, 53 degrees, and Everybody's wondering, I'm freezing. I'm walking around short sleeve shirt. And I'm saying, this is the way I like it. And, um, but then we had to come back through the mountains, and then it got hot again. And we get to New York City, it was cool. It's down in the 70s. Couldn't believe it. But um, the whole truth here is God has called us to glory. He wants to use our lives to glorify Him. Virtue, that is purity. It is more than just purity. It's a word that has lost its significance in the English language. If the presidency of Bill Clinton did accomplish anything, it was the destruction of the word virtue having any meaning in the English language whatsoever. And uh, just because that has happened to the world at large does not mean that we can ignore this thing called virtue in our personal lives. And uh, we'll get to a definition of this in just a few minutes, but uh, we'll move on here. It says, whereby the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, 
having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. The only way you're going to get through life uncorrupted is by having Jesus Christ living in you. That's what this means, partakers of the divine nature. Um, there at the family camp, we tried to do a, a very poor reenactment of, uh, of the armor of God, just a little bit of what we did here in the mornings for a few minutes. And uh, we tried to, tried to just simply illustrate the point that we are being attacked everywhere, every place we go. And the only place, the only way we're going to deal with that is by having the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's the breastplate of righteousness. It protects our heart. It's not ours. Jesus lets us wear it. I'll tell you what a wonderful promise. Now, Philip, you turn around this way, okay? That's better. There is corruption in this world. I had no idea how big this casino thing is. But I'll tell you, driving out west, every little town has casinos out west. It's absolutely insanity. I mean, when we think of casinos, we think of the great big Atlantic City things. And, but I mean, there's, there is literally town after town, little podunk town, population 310 people, and there's the casino. You know what that does to the destruction of that town? It makes the whole town about gambling. That's corruption. And here's the problem with gambling. It's wanting to get something for nothing or for very little. And that desire is as powerful in some people's lives as crack cocaine. It's as powerful as any other addiction that somebody can get a hold of. The Bible says we as Christians, we need to escape the corruption that is in the world through lust trying to get, trying to have. And we can escape that. I read this passage and I think about uh, um, uh, one of the songs that the quartet from Heartland sung when they were here. Uh, it says the, there's a greatest promise and that great promise is when I am weak, he makes me, he'll make a way. And I'm trying to figure out what version of the Bible they were using to get that promise. Uh, it's a beautiful song, and, and the idea is in the Scripture, but there's no verse that says, when I'm weak, he'll make a way. Uh, what the Bible says is, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Because when I admit my weakness, I can depend on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And um, I'm going to have to find Brother Floyd and kid him about that. And have, you have to listen to the song a dozen or more times before you finally get a hold of it, what they're actually saying there. But these exceeding great and precious promises is not that God's going to make a way. It's that God makes us a partaker of His nature. He allows His nature to live in and through us so that we can escape all of the corruption and the problems and the destruction that is in this world. God calls sin, sin, because when it's finished, what does it bring? It brings forth death. 
And so then we come to the next. It says, and besides this. So let's just review very quickly. You're saved through the righteousness of God. You get grace and peace through the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. We are given uh, by His divine power. We're given all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Talking about Jesus Christ. These uh, things that God has given us are great, exceeding, precious promises that makes us partakers of the divine nature that allows us to get through this corrupt, lust-filled world unscathed. Now, unfortunately, you have to get all the way here before verse 5 makes any sense. And then you have to work through this list of things until we get to verse 11. Uh, it says, For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, we all love verse 11. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to verse 11. It says, An entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly. God said, I want to make a big deal when you come into my kingdom. And it says in verse 9, I mean verse 10, it, it, for if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. The end of verse 10. Now to me that is an incredible promise in God's word. We all know people that have flunked out of life. We have known people that have flunked out of their relationship with God. Now, it wasn't that they had that relationship and they lost it. The Bible says they never had it in the first place. Because if you have a true relationship with Jesus Christ, He is the one that's doing the work and He doesn't quit. Amen? You say, well, what happens when I get worn out and I can't handle it anymore? Well, buddy, if you didn't start there, you're never going to finish, amen? If you don't start at the end of yourself, you'll never find Jesus Christ. And that's what these verses talk about. Now, let's go back quickly and we'll try to get through this list of things as quickly as we can tonight. Verse 5 says, and beside this. Now, to get to verse 5, you've got to be saved. You need grace and peace. You need to understand that all things are given unto you. You need to escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. You must do these things to get to verse 5. Now that you're in verse 5, you can get to the work of real Christianity. And beside this, giving all diligence... Now, I love that phrase, and the best way I could illustrate that phrase is if, if I made the, the statement, and this is just an illustration, this isn't true, okay, that I had hidden a five-carat diamond, flawless, worth about $30,000 in this auditorium somewhere, and whoever finds it gets to keep it. 
How many of you would be tearing up seat cushions and looking everywhere and trying to get a hold of that thing? You would give all diligence if that were true, would you not? I mean, would we have anyone who would just sit there and say, I'm spiritual, I'm not going to destroy the church to find such a thing. You may just have added to your list of sins by lying about it, amen? I mean, we all would be looking for that thing. And you wouldn't just stand there and look. I mean, you would be panic-stricken. You would be frantically. Uh, that's what the word all diligent means. I'll tell you, if you could get these things, it says you're going to get through life without flunking out. The $30,000 diamond wouldn't help you in that category. What we have here is worth more than anything the world has to offer. And it says, beside this giving all diligence, add to your faith. You must have faith first. Faith is believing that God is and he is a rewarder of them that what? Diligently seek him, Hebrews 11. And it says that we're to add to our faith virtue. Now let the Bible always define the Bible, virtue. Remember Jesus as he was on the way to Jairus' house and the woman with the issue of blood. When, if you've been here, we've been through this, you know this passage, but we need to be reminded is what he says. I need to be reminded of these things because we just go through life and we get so wrapped up in living that we stop doing the things that we ought to do. Here's the story is the woman had an issue of blood. That meant she was unclean. She touched the hem of Jesus' garment. And of course, Jesus cannot be made unclean. So there was no other option except for her to immediately be made clean. And Jesus described that event he said, I perceive that virtue has gone out of me. Have you ever been around somebody that lives for God so much they make you want to live for God? That's what this is talking about. It is a purity that makes other people clean. Oh, I can't talk like that anymore to preachers here. Add virtue to your faith. Amen? Make a difference where you go. And don't make it by being so obnoxious. Amen? You know what I'm talking about. This is something that comes from the fact that the Holy Spirit is living inside of you to a point that people can see him. Like the little boy said, how big is Jesus? says, well, what do you mean, son? We don't have any pictures uh, of Jesus. We really don't know. He says, but, but Jesus was a man, right? Yes, he was. Well, how big was he? He said, well, son, I really can't tell you, but he was an ordinary man of his day, the Bible tells us. So he was probably about five foot five, five foot six, something like that. And, and, and uh, it, it, But why do you ask? Well, it's real simple. He said, the Bible says Jesus is supposed to live inside of me. 
And I'm just a little boy. If he's living inside of me, he's going to be sticking out. Now, I think somebody made that up, but it gets the point across, doesn't it? If the Holy Spirit's really living inside, he's going to be showing virtue. That which causes other people around you. We need to add that. That it just simply means you have a real relationship with a real God. Amen? And to virtue, you're supposed to add knowledge. One of my great desires from day one of Open Door Bible Baptist Church is that the people God would send this way and put together that we would know and understand this book called the Bible. That somebody would ask you a question and, and you would be able to say, well, listen, we, we study the Bible at our church and I, I can show you what the Bible says. Do you know how many people can actually open up a Bible and show somebody an answer? You have to know this book in order to do that. That knowledge is not for the preacher alone. It's for every person that names the name of Jesus Christ. And no, just because you cannot answer everybody's question does not mean you're a failure, but you ought to know more about the Bible today than you did last year. Amen? You ought to know more about Jesus Christ today than you did before. It says, and to knowledge, temperance. That idea of temperance. When we were in Sioux City, Iowa, we had the privilege of stopping at uh, a man's house. He has his own museum in this underground uh, place that he's built, and everything is in there from uh, flintlock uh, pistols from the Revolutionary War to tow missile launchers and and uh, he trained SWAT teams for police departments and uh, he's an incredible fellow and uh, he let the boys and girls go down there and look through his museum and actually he had a sword down there and it was one of those huge cavalry sabers from uh, the Crimean War the 1850s something like that I mean, the blade is this wide and this long. And you pick that thing up and it didn't feel like there was anything in your hand. It was perfectly balanced. It would have been a fearful weapon in actual warfare. I mean, you could have easily rode your horse and started swinging that thing side to side and... I mean, let's not talk about what would happen if, they, if you actually did that, but um, you would not want to be on the receiving end. That blade, you could just feel it. it. It was flexible, but it was strong. That's what temper, that blade was tempered. It was done by hand. It was beat out and ground down by hand. It took hours and hours and hours of work to make it. It was a magnificent piece of equipment it was properly tempered we get the word temper and temperance it's both the same word you know what was the old ancient proverb he who loses his temper always finds it again that's not temperance amen 
Temperance is being able to keep your temper without losing it. It's being flexible enough to bend with the stress and not shatter. Strong enough to withstand the force of the blow and cut through whatever needs to be dealt with, preferably the enemy. That's what temperance is. It's learning to withstand the shocks of life. It's learning to bend when we need to bend, and that does not mean we change our doctrine at all. It's talking about being able to withstand the pressure. And the next word is patience. If you are a temperate person, if you are in control of your passions, you then can be patient with other people. The most difficult thing in the world is to be patient with somebody who cannot do something well that you can do very well. You ever tried to teach someone something you know very well how to do and they have no idea what's going on? Come on, can't you see this? Well, if they've been practicing as long as you have, they would see it. The only problem is they haven't been because they haven't had the opportunity because no one will give it to them. What do you need to get a job? You need experience. But how do you get experience without a job? You need somebody with a little bit of patience. Well, actually, a great deal of patience. The Bible says we need to add patience to our temperance. And patience will bring what? Godliness. Ooh. We like that idea. I mean, I, I like the idea of uh, saying, man, that was, that, that was godliness in my life. Wow. By the way, if you recognize it, you probably just spoiled it. But patience is the key to godliness. And then godliness is brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness charity that's love in action we love to get down to that last one and say oh we just love everybody no no if you can't be patient you don't love them if you can't be kind you don't love them if you have no temperance if your temperance is not bounded by godly knowledge and that knowledge is not based upon virtue there's no foundation in your life for the things that have to be there and verse 8 says for if these things be in you and abound they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our lord jesus christ it says if you want the knowledge of god you start working on putting these things into your life and you're going to know who God is, and you're going to know about God. Was there any man more patient than the Lord Jesus Christ? How could he endure the cross? Was there any man more temperate than the Lord Jesus Christ? Absolutely not. You say, but Jesus got angry. Yes, he did, but he always got angry at the right things. Amen? I've heard some 
Preachers say, well, it was just a touch of righteous indignation. Well, I don't know if I can qualify myself to make that judgment or not. Indignation may be righteous. That's questionable. Uh, the Bible says, be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down on your wrath. You better get that thing settled today. That's what the Bible says about our anger. Jesus was temperate. He was angry when it was time to be angry. He was quiet when it was time to be quiet. He was the one that was full of brotherly kindness. And he is charity. For God so loved the world, what? That he gave. Jesus was the gift. Jesus was the one that allowed those soldiers to drive the nails in his hands and in his feet. He was the one that endured the mocking. Why? So that we could go free. We need to learn about Jesus. We must have this thing called the knowledge of, of God, the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. How do you get that knowledge in your life? You get that knowledge by adding to your faith virtue. By adding to virtue, learn the things about God you can learn. Just read the Bible. Giving all diligence, knowledge, temperance, to temperance, patience. Patience will bring godliness, godliness, brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness, charity. It says, but he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Now, Here's the way we should use the Bible. If you're struggling with old sins, if you have things coming back and haunting you, it's because you lack these things in your life. That's what the Bible says right here. If you can't see afar off, if you can't see far enough to see past the problems and the struggles that the Lord puts in your way, it's because you do not have virtue, Knowledge, temperance, patience, brotherly, godliness, brotherly kindness, and charity. You need to go back to the beginning of the list and start working on these things. It says, Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. These are verses that I have studied in the Bible all my adult life. But I need to go back and go over them again and again and again. Because if we don't, we're not giving diligence to make our calling and our election sure. That doesn't mean go back and reinvestigate your salvation and the fact that you're trying to figure out whether you're saved or not. What it's talking about is go back and understand the salvation that God has given you. Go back and understand that you need to build upon that faith, virtue. It's one of the great things missing in the Christian life today is clean living. It's pure living is a purity that is so powerful that it encourages and, and demands others to follow in this way. Uh, that's what virtue is. We need to protect one another as Christians in our church 
from temptation and sin. We need to help each other want to live pure. We need to know what we're talking about based upon the knowledge that's in this book called the Bible. Amen? And then comes temperance, the ability to deal with stress. Then patience, that's the ability to deal with stress caused by others. Amen? And then godliness. Godliness will help us love other people. You shall know you are my disciples. What? The love ye have one for another. That's a distinguishing mark of true Christianity. And then that brings charity. So Paul, uh, Peter says here, Wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them, and be established in the present truth. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We ask that you administer to our hearts and lives, that you would help us to give all diligence to add to our faith virtue and to go through this list to understand what the knowledge of God brings in our lives. We pray that you would teach us to know things as you know them. Lord, we look forward to that day when an entrance shall be ministered unto us abundantly into the kingdom of, of your Son, Jesus Christ. We ask for you to work in our hearts and in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's take just a moment. Maybe, uh, Sharon, you could come and just play us a verse on the piano tonight. And if you would like to come and spend a moment at the altar, the altar is open. As the music plays, will you come if you need to come? Let's not be long tonight. And all God's people said, amen. Let's take just a few moments here and go through our prayer list, and then we'll be ready to pray. Um, I called uh, the uh, church there in um, Columbus, Nebraska, and was able to 
uh, make contact with the new pastor there. He's already been installed. His name is, uh, trying to think, I believe it's Michael is his first name, but Groff, G-R-O-F-F. And uh, I told him I would talk to our church and see if we could uh, just transfer that support that we have been given to Brother Franklin to him uh, to help keep that church going. And uh, if you'll remember, we had supported for several years Brother Bookhoff in Idaho. And uh, it, it's a little frustrating on my part to have to tell you that when Brother Bookhoff left Kellogg, Idaho, he left nothing behind. He just packed his bags and left town. And uh, that is rather irritating, to be honest with you, to me as, as a pastor, is we were making an investment there and, and there was nothing left. It, it, was, it was a waste of God's money is what it really was. And being that we deal with human beings and we will deal with failure. And, uh, but uh, Brother Franklin at least got another man in. They're still pastoring the, the church that's there. It's going on. He's working a full-time job trying to, to pastor the church. He says, I think I need to get things set in order here before I can leave and go out and ask other churches to support. And, and I appreciate that. But uh, I said, what kind of shape are you in? He says, well, you, you, you know how that goes. And so um, would... Could we just take basically what we were giving Brother Bokoff, what we were giving Brother Franklin? I think if we add it together, we'll get about $75, which is what we normally do, and just send it to help this brother out. And uh, I, I said, you know, we can't afford to have you make a trip the whole way to New York City just so we can see you before we give you the money. I said, maybe we could just keep that investment going. Is, is that reasonable? Is that okay? And... Uh, so uh, we'll just uh, do that and uh, start sending out that this month. Um, but the good news is there's still a church there. His name is Michael Groff, G-R-O-F-F. -F, and he was actually a youth pastor in the area. Uh, and so I, I went ahead and just put it on the name there. He was trained in a local church there. And uh, he's not moving. He's... He lives there. He lives about 30 miles from the church, I think. And uh, as soon as he can, he'll be moved into Columbus full-time. So let's pray for Brother Groff and, and take him out. Slava, this afternoon, they were, the Russian church was trying to have a uh, little cookout, and uh, somehow the grill flared up and just burnt the side of his face. He's actually in the hospital tonight. They want to make sure there was no damage done to his eye. And so if you would uh, pray, I think I'm going to throw that grill away. It was that little one. And uh, I, I'm not sure how in the world that could even happen, but it, it did. And, and, and he was, praise the Lord, there's uh, no, as far as we know, there's no blisters. There's no uh, scarring, but uh, it was the side of his face and the end of his nose. And uh, he was... Uh, uh, the, the hospital said, we just want to keep you overnight to make sure there's no damage to the eye. He's over at the burn unit, actually, Cornell Medical Center, which best place you can go to in the world for that kind of thing. So uh, pray for Slava, if you would. Uh, I'd appreciate your prayers uh, for Julia. Uh, just continue to pray for her, if you would. Uh, Jose Aldegar, uh, Jesus Aldegar, actually. Uh, his mom comes every Thursday night. It's the only service she can make. 
Uh, he's got some kind, we prayed for him for quite a while for some type of disease and uh, they're doing a kidney biopsy. Uh, they just did that Friday. So pray for Jesus if you would. And Elena asked us to add herself and Anna and Michael to the list. And so, um, and then under jobs, um, we've, I guess uh, Ricardo is in need of a job again. That's uh, Rita's husband. And uh, Susie and Elena and Michael. Um, anything that we did not get put on, I got all the green cards that I could find and added everything to the prayer list I possibly could. Um, anything else? If not, Pardon? Oh, yes, okay, we can remove Pam and Leah from special, right? Because that was more or less travel, I think. Huh? Okay. Keep Leah on the list. Okay. All right. All right, let's break up and pray, and when we're done, we'll pray together, and then we'll be dismissed.